In the Fuzzy Memories podcast, we celebrate the good, the rad, and the fugly of the 80s and 90s. We're three latchkey kids who made it out alive. And in each episode, we break down all the culture that popped one year at a time. Whether it's the birth of legends. I'm Lyme disease free today and I have Whitney Houston and MTV to thank. (laughs) Or audacious moves. Imagine also the the poor Golden Gate Bridge. You turn 75 and people have a party on you. I don't want that. Or even confusing PSAs. In the stop, drop, and roll. I mean, we would, I assume as an adult, I would catch on fire weekly. All the time! (laughs) We've got a take that will make you laugh. We've also got thoughts on all sorts of random phenomena and the most unmitigated of golf. Why sharks can't be trusted, people can't be trusted, and rivers can't be trusted. (laughs) It's collusion. It's of the highest degree! Uh Uh-huh. You were counseling me to start my remarks with, first of all, bitch. <laughs> that one, everyone in that room would have snapped to attention. It's going to be basically coffee lids, shark revenge, and then maybe like Matt gets. <laughs> we need to do something about him. Join us every other Wednesday to celebrate the hits, the misses, and the misfits of the weirdest decades. If I could tell my 14-year-old self from 1990 that I would be eating in a cheesecake factory in, in Beverly, Beverly Hills, I'd be like, we did it. We, we did it, Joe. We did it. <laughs> Listen and subscribe to Fuzzy Memories on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and your favorite podcast platform. Hey, Broads and Books listeners. Guess what? We're coming to you live on March 27th. That's right. We are kicking off the Des Moines Book Festival with a live virtual episode. And that means since it's virtual, you can attend from anywhere. Literally anywhere. So come see us talk about the amazing headliners at the Book Fest and their books. They've got a killer lineup over four weeks, including Tayari Jones, Taylor Jenkins-Reed, Chuck Klosterman, and Laura Prescott, along with terrific workshops, talks, and events. At our live event, you'll also get some of our favorite stories. And, I mean, most likely some weird tangents. I mean, that's what we do. That is what we do. It'd be disappointing if we didn't. Plus, do you have a reading question? A challenge for us, perhaps? Email us your question by March 25th, and we could answer live. So... Start the Des Moines Book Fest off with a laugh and a sneak peek at the keynote authors and events at this live podcast event. And remember, this is virtual. So go ahead and wear those pajamas Please and sweatpants. Bring a coffee and join us online. Remember, visit broadsandbooks.com to register and we'll see you soon. Hello, and welcome to Broads and Books. I'm Amy. And I'm Erin, and this is episode number 86, Obsession. Obsession. Do you remember this song, Erin? I do. I, I had to like refresh my memory after okay. you suggested it. This is by the seminal 80s band, Animotion, mm-hmm. which I don't know another song they did. This may be what you call a one-hit wonder. Yeah. But what a hit it was. <laughs> it was a good one. <laughs> uh, this is, ex- if you... If you are just picturing an 80s song Mm -hmm. this is what you might picture like it's got the whole synthesizer thing it's got the like dude and the guy and the girl Mm -hmm. and some of the lyrics are i will have you i will find a way and i will have you i mean that's that's some straight up obsession Mm -hmm. and that's what we're talking about today Mm -hmm. i'm thinking like obsessive behavior with people yes with relationships with things it's a it's a topic that is 
rife with ideas. Yes. You know so what many we've possibilities. been an obsession that's been denied to us today, Aaron? Yeah. About that. <laughs> we tried to have our superfood again yeah. today and now randomly they're closed again. And I just I don't can't understand deal. it. I don't know if they're trying to like if they know that we love them and they're actively are they hate listening to us and then they're trying to mess with us? I don't get it. Or are they playing like fickle like a female mm. in a relationship they're playing hard oh, to get oh see i don't i don't they're like leaving that. me wanting more and they're they're reading me wrong because that is not the way to <laughs> gain the way. my affection no i need consistency mm-hmm. i need reliability mm-hmm. i need some damn acai before we record if i don't trust you this ain't going nowhere no nope. and i'm starting to not trust you so we're not so, in a yeah. good place so listeners we didn't get our acai today you'll probably tell the difference yeah. i don't know we may be more angry yeah. than normal i apologize in advance <laughs> It's not coursing through my veins. <laughs> I mean, we're still going to be hilarious. We're still going to be great. Yeah. But, you know, we just won't have the uh, the manic high <laughs> that you could confuse with a cocaine high. Yes. That we, in our sort of middle age, have used acai to attain. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I'm not ashamed to admit that. <laughs> and I'm frustrated. So. Aaron, besides big acai, mm-hmm. have you ever experienced an unhealthy Ooh. obsession? And if you did, how'd you break yourself of it? Well, it's funny that you, you know, paralleled this to Big Asahi because where I most often encounter obsession in my life is two areas. One, songs. Mm. I play a song I like over and over and over and over and over again until A, I know all the words and B, I'm like, I never want to hear that song again. Yeah. So I ruin it for myself. Mm -hmm. And then I rediscover it like six months later and it's like a (laughs) gift. I do that also with snacks where I go in like a rut. Mm -hmm. And for a while, for me... It was veggie potstickers steamed from this Chinese place that we like to get food from a lot. And I was obsessed. And when I say obsessed, I mean every time Mike said, do you want to order in? I'd be like, yes, and here's where. And he'd be like, can we have something else? And I'd be like, no. I need me some potstickers. Could you describe why it was so delicious and obsessive to you? I don't don't know. That's Hmm. the thing. That's weird about my personality. I can't. But I can tell you that I always know when it's over because you order it you take a bite and you go oh god i can't eat those oh no mm-hmm. and oh. i am now on the back side of that obsession yeah. where i'm taking a break oh, okay so for them i probably seem like a fickle customer because i am <laughs> all in four months and then i'm just i ghosted them i'm just out you ghosted yeah. them and then i pop back up later like a booty call oh like oh my hey, god i'll take a few pot stickers now you are that bad ex that keeps coming back for more I am. oh mm-hmm. no and then i'm all in for a little bit and then i'm like oh this got too serious too fast <laughs> out of my life pot stickers i i do that same thing though with snacks where i'm just hardcore hardcore reese's pieces all the time yeah i'm a, i'm in a period where I, I don't like them anymore right yeah it's and i've done that like i can think of so many things i do that with peanut m&ms i'll mm-hmm. be in it and i'll be eating peanut m&ms like it's my job mm-hmm. and then i'll go Almost a year and be like, I don't, I can't think about a peanut yeah. M&M. But then when you rediscover them again, it's like when you get back together, I mean, I've never done this, but when yeah. you get back together yeah. with someone and yeah. yeah. It's like that blissful moment where yes. you're like, oh, this was great. This was great. And then. Soon it will be not great again. Yeah, soon yeah. it will be too much. But, <laughs> and I, I recognize that this is very hard for people in my life. Like Mike, if he wants to like get me a get, he has no idea where I'm at ever. So he'll be like, hey, look, I saw this bag of peanut M&Ms and brought them for you. And I'd be like, I'm look not eating God. peanut M&Ms. What's wrong with you? How dare you? Wow. Just a mercurial personality. Yeah. In snacks. Yeah. In snacks. In, in and he just can't, can't He's predict you. He's up. Yeah, yeah. I think. Which is fair. That I don't, is fair. Yeah. It's fine. I'll buy my own snacks because I know where my head's at. <laughs> So it's fine. It's fine. 
Well, do you think that there's a difference between how men and women are viewed when we talk about obsession? Like, is one more negative than the other? I say absolutely, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to romantic relationships. I think we've kind of talked about this before. If a guy is exhibiting obsessive behavior, we're often saying like, oh, he's seducing her. Oh, he's just sticking in for the long haul. He's just really trying hard. Like, oh, he's going to win her over. Mm -hmm. Going to win her over. Yes. Mm -hmm. The girl, however, she starts, you know, exhibiting any obsessive behaviors, which is, again, a subjective thing. Correct. But exhibiting too much emotion, perhaps, it's full on fatal attraction. It is a rabbit is going to die. That is a really good point. Yeah. It is something to be terrified of for men. Like they get so scared of. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas when you think about it, like are the stories told of us of Prince Charming, that's obsessive. It's obsessive. And we've read enough to know that sometimes, uh, I mean, a lot of times you exhibit that behavior. It shows there is something very, very wrong. Mm -hmm. It's not the guy you want. No. Mm -hmm. Just think about nobody's victim and Mm -hmm. all the guys that were coming on so, so strong Mm -hmm. and then exhibited all sorts of like revenge porn behavior and shit. Mm -hmm. See? Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think as in a lot of things, Men are accepted more yes. than women. I agree. That's very true. God, I wish that wasn't true. I do too, but it is. But that's the world we live in, That Aaron. is the world we live in. That world and the world where Reese's Pieces no longer sound good to me, which is a sad world. You missed your window, Reese's Pieces. <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. You missed your window for these hot, 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 hot takes. <laughs> Where we would have had that money rolling in for Rolling you. in. Because mm-hmm. if there's anything we can do, it is command the masses to eat something. You're damn right. <laughs> I like your view of our power. I, I don't do know too. if I agree with it, no. but I think it's a great thing to aspire to anyway. I feel like right now we could put out a challenge and be like, did anyone eat Reese's Pieces based on the amount of time we talked about it? And if so, please reach out to us and crickets. Crickets. Yep, crickets. crickets. Like, hey, we knew about Reese's Pieces long before your podcast. And also that like, yeah, that's an old thing. It's not a new snack. And I, no, it's been we didn't around. purposely go eat them because no, of what you said. No. Well, your loss. Yeah, your loss. Mm-hmm. You know, another area that is rife for obsession yes. is the interwebs. <laughs> the interwebs. And man, oh man, there's a lot of rabbit holes you can fall down yeah. in the internet. Mm-hmm. What was the last rabbit hole that you followed all the way to the weird end? It is a rabbit hole that I frequent. Oh. I'll be honest. It takes on different forms. I see. But it is a rabbit hole that'll get me every time. And that is a multi-level marketing scheme. <laughs> You mean reading about them? Yes. Not yeah. I don't participate. But anytime I see something on Facebook, I see an Instagram ad. Mm -hmm. I see something that someone is inviting me to a party. It it just triggers the like Jane Pauly in me, Mm -hmm. and I go nuts. I'm like, I got to know everything about this company. Where's this money going? Who's in charge? Why are they doing this? Who are they targeting? It's like I'm doing an expose with no audience. I have no forum for it, but I am going to find out everything and I do not give up. And it takes me in some weird places. And then eventually I'm like, okay, I feel satisfied and I move on. And I never say anything about it to anyone. It's not like I'm trying to change the market. I just am fascinated that people keep getting sucked in. I fully understand that obsession. And also, I really like the image of you as a Jane Pauly, but just reporting to yourself. Like, no one, no one's around. Just me at my desk going, I knew it. Ha! Follow the money. Eureka! I knew he was involved. And what? 
who are you talking about? <laughs> Man, mm-hmm. I get that though because mm-hmm. it, it it is one of those things where it's just like, how do people get falling for this? I yeah. don't get it. Yeah. And what is it pretending to be? Yes. Versus what is it? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I think it's so related to cults that that explains a lot of the obsessive behavior too. Yeah. Because we get real obsessed about that. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. It does remind me of that. So mm-hmm. I just, and I love the internet for that reason. Yeah. Which brings up a point. Yeah. Do you think that you could ever go back to a life where we couldn't just immediately Google things? I don't think we could. Right? Like in, in my mind, you know, I, I think you, we can go forward. We can't go back. You, you just can't. Yeah. You can't go home again. Um, I think <laughs> you can't like we can't go back to just wondering about things and then having nowhere to go except mm-hmm. an encyclopedia in a library. What? Yes. No. You know, I used to like before um you know, the Internet Movie Database. Yes. Before it became like super big, um, some friends would call me like, Amy, you're like the human IMDb. You are. I was like, yeah, that's awesome. However, now the IMDb is so full that it's no human is is that. Like I have to go to IMDb all the time. And if I didn't have that. I know. What would I do? Two things just happened. Okay. One, I did not know that IMDb stands for there you go, acronym. Wow, that's. <laughs> I was almost ashamed to admit that, and I'm like, it just. No, fits. you gotta go. Yeah. And two, I just want to point out that you're like a niche IMDb mm. for me because every time I bring something up, you always know the answer, <laughs> so I never have to go to IMDb. <laughs> well, I got an explanation for that. One, I don't have kids. Uh, oh, no. I mean, okay. so there's that, and and two, those are the rabbit holes I go down. Yeah. Like when I'm watching something, I'm like, oh, that person's familiar. What are they? Who are they? Where do I know them from? What is their next project? What was their past project? What was their first project? Let's go back and see. Let's follow it all the way back. That's what I mean, though. You have an amazing capacity for remembering actors and oh. names, and like, hey, isn't that person this person? I'm like, oh, you're right. That is that person. Mm-hmm. If we were like at a movie studio and we yeah. were auditioning people, yeah. People would come in and you'd be like, oh, I loved you in that. And I'd be like, what? Who is this person? I thought he was bringing us coffee. Is this an actor? I would be so offensive on so many levels. You'd be like, who are you? Yeah. And then you would have to take me aside and be like, listen, when the talent comes in, just shut up. Because we're losing good people. Because you don't know Because you're not anything. sucking up enough. You don't know who to suck up to. Yeah. I will tell the you who to suck up to. The guy that you complimented was the janitor. <laughs> the guy that you insulted was the person we were trying to get to do the movie. And that's no good. No. Can't do it that way. No. Well, don't worry. We'll we'll be partners okay. when we create okay. something at a movie studio because good. that's part of the goal, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'll just be like the silent one. Okay. They just never know what I'm Ooh, thinking. Ooh, you'll be the inscrutable one. Uh-huh. They're like, we got to impress her. Yeah. Yeah. Be like, mm, I don't know who you are. Mm-hmm. Impress me. Yeah. Dance, monkey, dance. <laughs> <laughs> well, thinking about obsession. Yes. I don't know about you. It was pretty easy to find some picks. So easy. I had so many choices. Obsession is a is a rife topic. It is. There's a lot going on. I chose a book by someone that you recommended recently, Anna North. <gasps> and the book is The Life and Death of Sophie Stark. You said this was amazing. So after you recommended Outlawed, yes. I read it. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, oh boy, here's the rabbit hole I'm going to go down. And I immediately got her back catalog. And so I read this book. This came from 2015. And it's fantastic. Ooh. Also, we're talking to Anna North soon. 
Isn't that exciting? So listeners, get ready for that. Yes. Um, so, okay, the book starts. We first meet Allison, who is a young woman new to New York. And she's at an open mic event, and she tells this story, um, one that is really involved, and it's about a dangerous ex, and it's very gripping. Once she comes off the stage, there's another young woman that approaches her, and this young woman's name's Sophie. And Sophie says, like, I don't know if that story is true, but I want to make a movie about that story, and I want you to be in the movie. And Allison's like, okay, cool. Never been an actress, never made a movie, but let's do this. So from that sudden start, we follow Allison through making that movie, um, creating a relationship with Sophie, a romantic relationship, and then the fallout after that movie. Because... We've, we soon see that Sophie is very determined to see her particular vision through, even if it means ruffling some feathers, oh, betraying some people. Oh. So, okay, so we've heard from Allison. Mm-hmm. Then the next chapter, we hear from another person. And then the next chapter of that, we hear from another. We never hear from Sophie directly. We hear from people in her orbit. Ooh. So we hear from her brother. We hear from her husband, from a movie producer, from a guy that she followed around in college, and more. We're seeing Sophie through other people's eyes, which is such an interesting technique and so cool for this very sort of enigmatic character that we we don't quite know, like where she stands on things and what her deal is on a lot of stuff. We see she's very strange. She's very awkward, but she's brilliant and super creative. Um, We... Like I said, we see, though, that she may not really understand or care about boundaries. Um, She, you know, when she tells Allison that she wants to make a movie about her, she uses stories from the lives of those around her. Mm. And it's something she keeps doing, even when the people are like, I don't know if I want to let you use this story. So... Like I said, this is this format's really unique. It kind of reminded me of linked short stories in a way, like Olive oh, Kitteridge yeah. or like a visit from the Goon Squad. Yeah. But it's also very much a novel with this main key main character and the people around her. Mm-hmm. And I chose it for this theme because I think Sophie's film career, as we learn, it starts with obsession. Mm-hmm. She follows around this basketball player at college and decides she's going to make a movie about him. Mm-hmm. And then it takes a real crazy turn. But it all starts with obsession. But Sophie follows, you know, after that one, then she decides, like, this is her way of relating to the world. And so she gets obsessed with one thing after another and creates films about them. And along the way, the people who are around her, like Allison and her husband, they become obsessed with Sophie. Mm -hmm. And there's something about her that is so infuriating, but also sort of intoxicating. And you Mm. see that as you hear from these other people. Yeah. So I I loved this. It's a really quick and propulsive read, um, but it's one that stays with you. I've thought about it a lot since then, which, you know, is kind of how it was with Outlawed. Like she, she is a writer that is able to do that, which is very impressive. It is. Amazing. Well, my uh, pick this week, kind of the same thing. It just stayed with me. It's just one of those that is just kind of simmering there for a while. And it's also one of those I call like that book hole. Like you read it and you're like, what am I going to read after this? Because I'm still there. So it's called The Push by Ashley Audrey. Oh, you mentioned this to me. Yeah, you said it was intense. It is intense. It was just published in January of this year. Um, And it's got a lot of things going for it. So Blythe is pregnant and excited. But underneath, she's kind of dealing with all the fears that new mothers deal with. But hers, there's like an extra layer of trepidation because she comes from a long line of unavailable and abusive mothers. So she knows that she kind of has this pressure to break this pattern. Yeah. So she's determined to be different. She's going to be amazing. She's going to be attentive. She's going to be loving. And all the way up to the birth, she's prepared. She just seems to be reveling in the whole idea. 
Um, her husband, Fox, is very supportive and he knows enough about her past, you know, to kind of assuage her fears. So she goes into birth and birth is nothing like she imagined. It's much worse than she anticipates that it's going to oh, be. And no. kind of from that moment on, the bubbles burst, right? This isn't anything like she thought it was going to be. It's She's exhausted. The baby doesn't sleep. The baby cries all the time. Just all of the things that you feel, especially with your first child and as a new mother. And her husband's supportive to a point, as supportive as a partner that didn't go through it can yeah, be, kind of. Yeah, yeah. And she's just seeking connection. She keeps, prior to having the baby, she was writing. And so she sort of gave up her career in that time because she didn't have mm. the ability to write really cognitively. Um, but Fox still gets to leave the house and have his job. So they're just on different pages. And she's searching out connections. She's going to mother's groups and talking to people. She keeps trying to find someone who can say, yes, I know, doesn't this suck? Instead of, oh, this is the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. So you get the idea right away that she's thinking you know, a little bit differently. As the baby gets older, the fog kind of starts to lift. But this under-everything under feeling that she's having is that something's not quite right with her oh, child. Oh, shit. And at first, she's blaming herself. Like, I'm just yeah. not attaching like I should be. Yeah. Fox blames her. Like, <gasps> no, there's nothing. Your past, this is what your past is doing to you. There's nothing wrong with our oh. child. But she's seeing it in different places. So, and there's lots of examples in the book, like, the, the child will bite her on the face even you know what? once it's old enough to even know better we see that fox's mom kind of brings up some things like is this when when she goes to school the preschool teacher has some comments but fox is never willing to see it and blythe is sort of left going this is all me. not trusting herself yeah. because it might be in my head i don't know maybe yeah. i'm not loving her enough maybe mm-hmm. i'm not being a good mother like i thought i was oh my god so they end up moving on they have another child and it is when their son Sam is born that Blythe realizes, no, there is actually something wrong with our daughter because our other child doesn't act this way. Oh, wow. From that point forward, I can't tell you anymore because the book just takes off. But it is so intense and so gripping. And when I thought of the word obsession, you have Blythe who's obsessed with being a good mother yep. and then obsessed with the idea that there's something wrong with her child. Yeah. You have Fox who's obsessed with this idea that, no, you're not doing it right. Uh-huh. Our child is great. You have the idea that society is obsessed with making people feel like if you're not doing it a certain way, you're not Your doing fault. it right. Mm-hmm. There's so many layers and levels here. And it, I think it's kind of hailed as a psychological thriller. And it is. But to me, the parts that spoke to me were not those parts. It's a great story. You're going to love it. But the parts that spoke to me were that feeling of, I have this feeling and no one else does. And I can't find someone else. And I'm not even just talking about motherhood. Even if you've never gone through that, I think everyone can relate to times where they've said, I feel this way, but I don't think anybody else in the world does. Yeah. And you struggle or people are to find. actively telling you that you're wrong. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and you're struggling to find a connection with someone. You're struggling oh, to just be able to get it off your chest and say, "No, this is what I'm thinking and feeling." And you feel for Blythe the whole time that she doesn't have that outlet, and you can kind of see that this isn't going a good place. So I personally, my heart broke for her page after page after page. But at the same time, you have this incredibly gripping, fast-paced story that's happening that you also need to know so bad. Oh, my God. And when it ends, you're going to be like, what? And then you're going to be like, where's the second book? And then you're going to be like, I can never read again. (laughs) Because it's so overwhelming and amazing. And I loved 
every second of this, I hope that she writes a bajillion more books and I'll read every single one. Is it supposed to be a series? No. Okay. I don't think okay. so. You no. just wanted it I to just be a was series. Like, I need you were to putting know. it out into the yes. universe and hoping that she would write another. To me, as an avid reader, one thing that I can say that I know that you've really got me at it as an author is that weeks after I finished, I'll think of those characters. Oh and my go, God. Oh yeah, those aren't real people. I can't find out what they're up to. Speaking of rabbit holes on the internet, yes. like I want to go research and be like, are they okay? <laughs> what happened? <laughs> and I don't, they're, they're fictional. That's when you have to write some fan fiction. Yeah. But so no one wants that. Uh, well, I, somebody wants that. Somebody is out there trying to go down a rabbit hole and you're going to deliver. Yeah. Yeah. No? I don't know. I've always <laughs> felt like like that kind of fan fiction when you're fulfilling it for yourself is kind of like taking pictures of babies off the internet and passing them off as your own. Oh, like, wow. That's yeah, like, that's I wish no I had good. A kid. Yeah, yeah. Like it's not really harming anyone. Yeah. But there's a little creative there's a line being yeah. crossed. Yeah. OK. Yeah. Because like she, I'm sure, imagines where the characters are or intends them oh, to be a God, certain yeah. way. I mean, they're her characters. Yeah. But, you know, I've wow. always thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, yeah, that's interesting behavior. Yeah. Um, speaking of, so as you know, as a mom yourself, yes. Did you really glom on to a few things in here? Yeah. And like, yeah, just the the idea that things aren't always going to be how you expect, yeah. no matter how much you plan. Yeah. yeah. And I think that there's a disservice that again we as women do sometimes, where we feel they need to keep up this image, and yeah. we don't always care for each other in the right way, which is just to say, yeah, that ain't gonna be anything like yeah. you think. Like that's not gonna go well. It feels like, like there is a lot of like active, almost not. I don't know if I want to say lying, but like you don't always get the facts from other women about Mm-mm. what childbirth is like, about what motherhood is really like. No. You can kind of tell when people are just like, it's great. Yeah. And there's yeah. a dead look in the eyes. Right. And they uh, and they feel like they have something to lose. Like you're, you're somehow not a good mom or you don't love your kid or you're, yeah. you're failing if you just admit that like this isn't what I thought it was going to be. And I'm sorry, but that's true for everyone that has a baby. It isn't what you think it's going to be. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean it's bad. It yeah, just means just that different. you can't predict what how you're going to feel as a human. And that's what it's about. And you can't understand because it's, you know, physiological, your hormones, all of those things. We don't talk a lot about that. We just talk about how rosy it is when they put that baby in your arms. And there are great moments about it. Absolutely. But we do a disservice that there aren't more realistic people. And it's the one we've talked about it a bunch on the podcast. It's my biggest complaint about being a mother is other mothers that will not ever admit that it's not always roses and right. sunshine right like it's not let's be honest yeah it feels like some people have to commit very very hard and try to convince themselves yes. so they have to convince everyone else too yes yeah especially and now i think in this day of social media we kind of call them instagram moms yeah like, oh look at you know and no Mm-mm. no if I, you know in fact i have thought about starting an instagram account anonymously that showed the exact other side like oh my here's God. an instagram mom account but this is what really happens do you follow Celeste Barber on yes. Instagram? Okay, it would be like that, right? Yes. Where you have like a beautiful model doing mm-hmm. something weird and then her take on it, which is an actual human body. Yes, I love things. it. It's, yeah. it's my favorite. And yeah. that's exactly what it would need to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think the world needs that. I know. I Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. So listeners, if you see an anonymous account pop up in a few weeks, <laughs> she's writing that's it down. Randomly. Uh, Just random. Supported by Broads and yep, Books. That's the one. <laughs> Anyway, you should. It's great. It's wonderful. You'll I've love it. I've seen it many places. And, you know, it's weird because when it comes to books like that that talk explicitly about motherhood, I wonder if I'm equipped to read it in a weird way. Oh, you know, like yeah. I, I just I don't want to. I don't know. 
yeah, I have a feeling like, oh, I don't know if I'll really get into it as much or if, if I'll if I'll understand it as much because there is a big experience that a yeah, lot of women yeah. have that I don't have. But I think the way that she wrote this, it's really more about the universal feeling of having feelings that you can't place somewhere, yeah. having feelings that you can't describe to someone or feeling alone in your feelings. Yeah. So I don't necessarily think that you wouldn't relate to it or feel that way. And honestly, I think that that's true about motherhood in general. I yeah. don't really think it's a thing that, I think we do a lot of that, acting mm-hmm. like you'll never get it because you're not a mom. Like well, the that's mom the thing. I think I have some sensitivity to that because yeah. there have been people like that that yeah. have, you know, Absolutely. Implied as much. Yeah. Well, because they have a vested interest in feeling like they've done it right and they're yeah. the only people that can do it. But yes, I mean, I hate to break it to anyone, but evolution says we've been doing this for a while. <laughs> you ain't the first one to push a baby out of your vajayjay. That's true. There's been so, a lot of vajayjays. Yeah. It's not a babies. unique experience. I no. hate to tell you. So <laughs> I, more, it's more just about that feeling for yeah. me, you know, and, I, and the story itself. Dear God. Woo. I mean, even the cover is kind of evocative of something. And I'm like, oh. interesting. Yeah. Okay. It's okay. amazing because the cover is like those ink blot drawings yes. where you yeah. see different you things. See things. And yeah. that is such a perfect symbol for the book because oh, everybody's perspective on the exact same thing is different. Oh, that's terrific. It's so good. Yeah. So good. Oh, Aaron, for other genre picks. Ooh, okay. You know, we've talked about some things. I mean, obviously, we're always talking about things we're obsessed with. Always. You know, yes. always. Um, one thing that has been a long obsession of mine is sci-fi. Yes. And another thing has been David Bowie. Okay. Uh-huh. It's time, Aaron. We haven't talked mm-hmm. about him in a while, so I figured I was okay in, in bringing this yes. to the table. Yeah, okay. it's been a long Again, time. Again, it's that weird rule that I put on myself yeah, that I can't Yeah, it's talk. been a long, yeah. long time. If you're new to the podcast... I have a thing with David Bowie. It is a relationship. And yes, he is dead. I don't care. Also, when he was alive, he never knew me. I don't care. It's a relationship. We can't say that for certain. He's dead. That's We've true. never asked. That's <laughs> <laughs> Is a seance a, a special bonus episode that we need to do? Sure. Okay. I mean, why not? We need to bring Heath in on that one. He'll enjoy that. Yeah. 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 Okay. yeah. <laughs> I don't think just us might not be enough. Yeah. All that to say, mm-hmm. I brought a nonfiction pick. Uh-huh. It is called Strange Stars, David Bowie, Pop Music, and the Decade Sci-Fi Exploded. Ooh. It's from Jason Heller, and this came out in 2018. And this is about the 1970s in music and how many, many artists, including David Bowie, channeled these ideas of science fiction into their music. Mm-hmm. And... David Bowie and many others, but especially him, were on record about how much they loved classic sci-fi. If uh, those of you have listened for a long time, I recommended a book called Bowie's Bookshelf at Mm -hmm. one point where he talks, he recommends like 100 books that changed his life. And a lot of them are sci-fi. He was very like interested in that idea of other worlds and Mm -hmm. futuristic kind of stuff. So the book starts in 1969 when David Bowie releases his song Space Oddity, which is about an astronaut that gets lost in space. And it came out around the time of the first astronauts on the moon, which made a huge impact, of course, on millions of people who started to see how things that used to be maybe sci-fi had become reality. So that made some musical artists optimistic, and they write optimistic songs. That made a lot of musical artists pessimistic and talk about how we're going to destroy ourselves on this planet and destroy anything out in space. Fair. So, <laughs> a fair, yeah. fair assumption. So through the book, Heller talks about a lot of different bands and how they incorporated um, sci-fi into their stuff, like 
Some just put things on their covers. Queen put spaceships and robots and distant planets on their album covers. Um, bands like Kraftwerk and Devo created these sort of space-infused uh, rock songs. Um, funk pioneers like George Clinton and Bootsy Collins devised the P-Funk mothership after sighting a UFO while fishing on acid in the Bermuda Triangle. Yeah. Yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. Um, But also bands that aren't necessarily associated so much with this, like Crosby, Stills, and Nash, or The Carpenters, or even Stevie Wonder. They got on the sci-fi train during this time. Hmm. I discovered some songs that I've known and loved that I never knew were actually like about sci-fi. Like there's a song Wooden Ships by Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Yeah. It's all about like a desolate planet and, and dystopia kind of thing. And I was like, really? oh, huh. Huh. So I never really knew the lyrics. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> so the book takes us through the 1970s and it ends with Bowie again um, because in 1980 he came out with the song Ashes to Ashes which sort of revisits Space Oddity from yeah, 1969 yeah, yeah. so I chose it for this theme because I think not just me I think sci-fi is a very obsessive genre in and of itself like mm-hmm. when people really like sci-fi they really like sci-fi there's a reason why there's all these you know conferences and comic cons and all that kind of stuff it's very sort of set up in a way that brings obsessive you know love and obsessive behavior perhaps mm-hmm. I think the same thing with music you know as uh, I have gone on record. I am very obsessive about music. My book came, coming out, all the stories are named after song titles. It is, it is an obsession. Yes. So put them together and boom. This was bound to be. Double obsession. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, I think the 1970s in and of themselves is a very interesting decade to look at mm-hmm. um, because suddenly, you know, the world is, is bigger but also smaller, you know, like we, we can see that, yes, there's this world out in space, but also, oh, shit, that makes us really, really small. And like, yeah. what does that mean for us? Okay. You know, uh, it's also a time of huge social shifts. Like that's when we as women were starting to get some independence and some power and right. the world's freaking out about that because, of course. Yeah. I think generally you do not have to love sci-fi or David Bowie to read this book. If mm-hmm. you do, great. If you don't, if you're just interested in history and a unique take on history, this is a great read. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, if you're curious about that connection, man, you're going to love this, just like me. And I got to bring up David Bowie again. I'm, yes. I'm a little bit ashamed of myself that in an episode about obsession, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> but it has been a long time. It's been a long time. It was time. Yeah. To bring I think back. I, yeah, I restricted myself again yeah. for weird reasons. Your own rules. Because once I rules. start talking about it, I, I can, it can be difficult yeah. to stop. And also when I start talking about it, I can see the look on your face where it's just like, oh no. And like your eyes glass over <laughs> and you're like, oh, okay. Like, do I have to contribute to that or is she just going to talk for an hour? Well, yeah. Okay. That's fair. <laughs> but also I think that I'm also waiting because uh, there's a when you say David Bowie, then we're going to go through like a five minute justification about why it's okay yeah. to bring it up, yeah. and I'm like, we're all there. Like, it's we okay. don't need to do that. Yeah. It's okay. I shortened it this time. Yeah, yeah uh, sort of. To be fair, yeah. if someone listened from beginning our first episode through now, yeah, they would think that you like Reese's Pieces more than David That's Bowie. True. Oh, so, I've done the I've done you listeners a disservice. Yeah, I think we're not at the same level yet. Reese's Pieces are low on the scale. Yeah. David Bowie is high on the scale. That's what I'm saying. You're limiting yourself more than I even think is necessary. It's true. Yeah. It's like I need to talk about it as much as you talk about HBO Max. I am okay yeah. with that. Yeah. 
I bring that up every week. And I still don't know why I'm not seeing some hot sponsorship dollars. But whatever. It's fine. I'll just keep doing the work for free. <laughs> and I don't even think about it that much because I follow several accounts on Instagram that are all Bowie videos because why wouldn't I? Obviously. So I'm always seeing him. Oh. So it doesn't even occur to me sometimes that I'm the only one that's that seeing, is seeing that. that. Yeah. Because I'm thinking about him all the time. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. You're thinking about him all the time, but that doesn't translate to talking about him all the it's time. True. Just so you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just so you feel comfortable <laughs> with that. Well, there you go, listeners. And again, if you're new, the Welcome. moral of the story is <laughs> I love David Bowie. <laughs> I have an obsessive, deep obsession and love for Mr. David Bowie. Yeah, I think yeah. that's fair. Yeah. I think that was well stated. Should I keep talking about it? Uh, sure. T- <laughs> I'm going to let you. I mean, whatever you need to do. <laughs> Uh, okay, my nonfiction pick this week is a book that I picked because I think this is a topic, when I think about obsession, Yeah, I think that this is a topic that gets pushed on particularly females a lot. Ooh. And I think that this is a topic that no matter how much you try or how um, advanced you try to be in self-awareness and self-confidence, at some point you become obsessed with this. So this book is called Starvation Mode, a memoir of food consumption and control. Oh, no. By Alyssa Washuta. Oh, hey, I know that name. Yeah. yeah. She yep. wrote the short story collection that... Yes, is My that the, Body okay. is a Book of yes, Rules. Yep. And she, I think she has another one coming out, yeah, White Magic. So. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this is, was published in 2015. And this is kind of, it's a different format of a book. It's kind of an ebook that you could get um, for a couple bucks. It was different. I'm not sure if it ever did appear in print or not exactly, hmm. if you could get like the physical but I read it in that form. So um, on the face, this book is a set of rules or guidelines that the author imposed on herself oh boy. in order to make her body and kind of really her life take the shape that she wanted. But the rules actually kind of serve to draw the reader into this very deeply personal journey about self-acceptance and kind of how society works against us, particularly in this format. And like I said, I picked this because I think when we talk about obsession, one of the immediate things that comes to my mind is the idea of diet culture or food for women. That Absolutely. is an obsession. Yeah. And we're taught at a very early age. That it should be an obsession. Yeah, that mm-hmm. we should talk about it. We should think about it. Uh, you know, you don't have to look very far to find examples of that. We grew up around that. Yeah. Of diets, all those types of things. And bring a group of women together. And within five minutes, there's going to be some talk about fucking diet. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And it's ironic to me because it all centers around this idea of health or keeping your body a certain way that we're supposed to protect our bodies from harm but in reality it's it's this way that we ravage our bodies kind of in any way we see fit to get them to fit a certain thing instead of nurturing them and growing them and you know now we know so much more about body neutrality and all of those movements that are so important but we're still very stuck in the idea of what someone should look like yes in the idea that it's okay to make comments about someone else's appearance, that it's okay to have expectations for what someone else wants to look like. And that generally a certain weight is ugly. Or yes, that, yeah. absolutely. Mm-hmm. So to me, it's an obsession that we're all aware of. Yeah. And so it was the perfect 
pick for this theme because she's really dealing with that on a very personal level and taking you through a journey that she went through and how she got obsessed with it, what she did, and then kind of relating that to life and accepting yourself and how you get out of viewing that rule a certain way. Mm -hmm. It's deep. It's super well written. It's a very quick read, but it really stays with you. I really, really, really enjoyed it. Um, But it also really sticks with you in a way that kind of keeps popping up. And I I don't think that there's enough books about that topic. I think there should be tons and tons and tons and tons. So yeah, I think like you said, as much as uh, maybe body neutrality and other things like that have become more talked about or more seen on Instagram and stuff, there's just as many, you know, committing hard to diet culture over here i think it's still being counterbalanced Mm -hmm. and then companies like weight watchers rebranding and saying like oh it's fine wellness yeah when it's the same damn thing yeah Yeah. absolutely and and i think that that's true too of the actual journey i think even as a person you can get to the point where you think i know that that's not important yeah and logically i know that but you can still get yourself into thought patterns that teach you the opposite Mm -hmm. and so and it's a very hard thing to break it's it's sort of like what we talked about with the last pick with motherhood this idea of never breaking that front like yes that this isn't almost like not breaking the fourth wall like oh no no no, we don't need to let anyone know about that and that's kind of this too because we're not all willing to just be open and talk about it then it becomes the stigma that we allow to ourselves to put on other people yeah so it, it is it's a great read it's to me it fits perfect with the theme of obsession and it will definitely leave you with some things to think about i think anyone can relate to it because wow. even if you maybe feel very comfortable in your food journey or your body journey or whatever it may be i definitely think no matter what you're human you've done things before that you made you feel a certain way because of what someone else thinks yeah. you should be so yeah Wow, great. Like you said, not enough stories like that. Yeah. Uh, So great to see that. And also, uh, after reading her short story collection, I could see how even format-wise, that could be really, really interesting Yeah, she's very creative, very interesting. I think she takes a lot of risks in her writing that other people maybe wouldn't be willing to, and Mm -hmm. I think it pays off. She's Some people can really pull that off, and she's definitely one of them, for sure. Yeah. Good pick. Well, thank you. Guess what? More obsession. Oh, Imagine pop that. culture, yeah. yeah pop yeah. culture. Um, I don't remember if you've seen this or not. Promising Young Woman. No, I haven't yet. Okay. I, I have been meaning to, so. Came out early this year yes. on, you know, one of the Amazon Prime, like, early kinds of things that yeah. you could get. Um, so, yes, title is Promising Young Woman. And from the start, we meet Cassie, who is played by Carrie Mulligan, who, by the way, is fantastic in everything. Yeah. Everything. Also, she's in all sorts of, like, historical stuff. You don't see her in the present very often. Here you see her in the present. present. And it's great. So, Cassie, she is in a bar, and she is so drunk, she's barely coherent. Mm. And we can see um, a group of self-proclaimed nice guys Mm. over here. And one of them steps in to help her get home and safe. You can probably guess what's going to happen. But just before it does, as Mr. Nice Guy starts trying to take her clothes off, she stops slurring, sits up, and she asks, hey, what are you doing? And immediately, like, just white as a sheet, the guy, and then we cut away. Then we see Cassie by day. She used to be in med school, but when her friend was raped and no one believed her, she killed herself. And after that, Cassie dropped out of med school. She just, she could not see going forward. She didn't trust the school anymore. She didn't trust herself. 
And right now she's stalled out. She's working at a coffee shop. Um, she doesn't really have any friends. She's living at home with her parents. She doesn't have social life. Yeah. Instead, she's doing this nightly routine where she goes out to bars, pretends to be drunk, sees who's going to step up and be an asshole, and then she confronts them to see what they'll do. Then Cassie runs into a former med school classmate, and it's a guy, and she finds herself torn because she really likes him. But it also reminds her of what happened at med school. Mm. So she starts reconnecting with the real culprits, the girl in their class who sided with the rapist, the administrator who refused to punish him, who's played by Connie Britton, by the way. Oh, and even eventually, the guys themselves. This is a wild, wild ride with a very unexpected ending. I did not see that coming really? at all. Okay. I still think about it a lot. Really? God, I need to watch yeah. this. What am I doing with I my life? I don't know. But I chose it for this theme because I think Cassie is absolutely obsessed with trying to get a, a sense of justice for her friend. As weird as it is, just trying to call guys out on their shit yeah. and try to like confront them, make them see what they're doing. Um, she's sort of addicted and you know addiction isn't healthy she's addicted to this but also I think I chose this because we as a society are obsessed with the idea of promising young men right yeah like these are the young men a woman accuses him of sexual assault and when women stand up and tell their stories all you hear is what are you doing don't ruin this promising young man's future oh my gosh so our justice system is putting uh, women on trial, right? Like, you're lying, you're trying to get money, you're trying to get attention, you're mm-hmm. trying to ruin this promising young man over here. What are you doing? Mm-hmm. The movie takes this on. I mean, the title is brilliant. Yeah. And also the idea that guys have about themselves. Like, everyone thinks they're a nice guy. Every guy thinks like, oh, man, yeah, this I'm, I'm great. I'm, this is fine. But when it comes down to it, are they? Yeah. In case you think this is off base, by the way, I read an article where Carrie Mulligan, the actress, she said there were some prominent reviews of this movie that focused on her appearance, basically saying like, oh, is she really hot enough to pull in all these guys night after night? And she's like, wait a second. Are you are you seeing what you're doing right here? Are you seeing like how this is related to the movie? What in the actual? Oh, yeah. my God. Another obsessive element of this this was written and directed by Emerald Fennell, who plays Camilla Parker Bowles on The Crown. Oh, Picture her? Yeah. yeah. She is the writer and director of this. Amazing. Yeah. And I loved this. So when I was reading this article, she described how the idea came to her. Like five or six years ago, she's at a dinner party. And there's a woman that comes in and she's like, oh, man, I just had this super creepy encounter on the tube. You know, like this oh, guy yeah, doing yeah. this, you know. And the girls are all like, oh, man, gross. And the guys are like, what? And the women, of course, are like shocked. Like, why are you shocked? What world are you living in? So then they keep telling some stories and the guys are just dumbfounded. Like they've never heard anything like this in their lives. Some of it, I wonder if they're just like, you know, pretending, oh, I'm a nice guy. I would never think of such a thing. Right. You know, Mm -hmm. but she was so shocked by the lack of shock or by the shock, excuse me, of the guys that she was like, there's something here. Yeah. And there is. And it's a movie wow. called Promising Young Woman. That's amazing. And it's, yeah, it's it's really good. Like I said, it's, oof, you just don't know where it's going. Sounds amazing. It made me think, what do you think is the line between, 
you know, you were talking about obviously addiction's not healthy and she's kind of, you know, gets obsessed with doing this thing night after night at the bars. What do you think the line is between like being dedicated and mm-hmm. persistent and like addiction and obsession? I think here anyway, it's where you can't do anything else with your life. Mm. Like you're dedicating mm-hmm. all your energy yeah, that's to a, yeah. this thing. Like, cause she, everything in her life is now about this, where mm-hmm. she can't think about the future. She can't, she's just living in the now. Mm-hmm. She's very obsessed with, you know, this moment mm-hmm. and can't move on from it. Yeah. Like, kind of the stalled out factor, I think, is another. Yeah. yeah. That's what Ziggy said. That's Ziggy Ziggy's saying not it. all men. And I'm saying, Ziggy, stop it. Stop it. That's stop not, it. Not helpful. It's not helpful. Not helpful. No. No. Okay. Yeah, I think I agree with that. That's a really good way to put it. Like you can't do anything else because sometimes, you know, our we hear about stories of like very persistent dedication that end up well, but someone yeah. else could say that's an obsession, yes. you know? Yes. So. And yeah, I think um, Ziggy's back. Ziggy's back. He wants to do the same thing as he did last time, which is somehow stop the recording. Yeah, there you go. Goodbye. Oh boy. <laughs> Just threw a mouse and he chased it. Because he illustrated our point. He did illustrate our point. <laughs> <laughs> I thought this was relevant too because um, this week I saw on social media some trending stuff about like not all men, where you know something happened, and again men are all up in arms about like, oh, we're not all rapists. You don't. Th- we don't live in a rape culture. Okay. And I saw something really good to counter that on social media, mm-hmm. on the iWay account. Ooh. And it was a cartoon, and I, I apologize, we'll have to link to it because I don't remember the author who made it. It was a female. Um, about the not all men. Yeah. And it said, it was comparing it to ticks. <laughs> not all ticks carry Lyme disease. Oh boy, yeah. But Lyme disease is scary enough and happens enough that when you're out in the woods, you have to assume that all ticks carry Lyme disease. Oh my God, that's You have brilliant. to operate as though they do because if they're on you, you need to get it off so that you don't get Lyme disease. You don't have the opportunity to wait and test that tick and see if it has Lyme disease. It's the same idea. Yes. We understand that it's not all men, but when you make the point to say it's not all men, you're diminishing the point that there are men that are doing exactly. that. And it- it's enough that we have to be scared when we're in those situations. Yes, it gives us a level of wariness that yes. we always have to operate at mm-hmm. anywhere that men don't understand. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yes, we know it's not all men. Just like not all ticks have Lyme disease, mm-hmm. but it's enough that we have to protect ourselves. Oh man, that's brilliant. Isn't it? Yeah. It really, that just really made so much sense to me. I thought that was one of the best arguments I saw. You know, uh, not arguments, yeah. counterpoint to the whole not all men. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're just kind of proving the point when you start going in on not all men. Yeah, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, so my pop culture this week is something, honestly, that I'm obsessed with. And it's just something that brings me joy. And it's light and it's funny. And I look forward to it every week. I can't wait. Um, And it's the podcast called Who Weekly. And this is their tagline is everything you need to know about the celebrities you don't. (laughs) And the podcast is hosted by Bobby Finger and Lindsay Weber, and they are good friends. And it feels like you're just listening to them talk. But the whole basis of the show, they have what they call who's and them's. So them's are your A-listers. Like we know who Tom Hanks is. We know who Carrie Mulligan is. We know these people. They tell you stories about the who's. Like when you're standing in the checkout line and you see a magazine, you're like, who is that? These are the people they're telling you stories about, oh. which first are always more hilarious. Yes. they're not polished. They don't have no. those PR teams, so they're doing stupid stuff. Oh, my God. They play you clips. They talk about it. It is 
an hour of just nothing that is just everything you want it to be. That's it's hilarious. I Most of the time I truly, there are times where I truly laugh out loud just from the things that they're saying because you get the same feeling, you know. Um, there's some fun things they do like Tuesday is their regular weekly episode and then Friday is what they call their call-in episode. So after Tuesday, you can call in and on a line and say something like about something they said and then they play some of those clips and respond to oh them on gosh. Friday. It's amazing. <gasps> These two also frequently write for Slate, Vice, New York Times, just about that same kind of idea. Um, I love the idea of the who, them. Like, they'll ask people that all the time. Like, do you think this is a who or a them? (laughs) They also do these great questions like, does a them know who this who is? Mm -hmm. So one of the ones that they had recently that I loved was, does Queen Elizabeth know what chicken strips are? (laughs) Chicken strips to them are a who, but Queen Elizabeth, this is them. Do you think she understands? And I mean, they did a deep dive that you would never think was possible about chicken strips and Queen Elizabeth, and I was here for it. It was hilarious, and I loved it. I mean, did they answer the question? Do you think? Yeah, that we know? apparently, I'm not going to remember the name now, but they're called something different. So they oh. felt very confident that she's aware of chicken strips, okay, but felt very confident that she probably hasn't actually eaten them That's because she true. prefers roast chicken and. They cook for her. So yeah, they what, got a full they, cooking they don't team. Have, she doesn't have a need to just get chicken strips because there's no other option. She's not driving through Chick-fil-A? No. No. No, but they did say that there's some really famous chicken restaurant that's like a mile from the palace or something. So that was one of their pieces of evidence I that see. she has to know, okay, she has to know. about yeah. this chicken dish. Okay, okay. But that's what I'm saying. It's a deep dive and you just, I can't get enough of it. And... For me, I am now at the age in my life where I often see musicians oh my God. or actors or new people on the scene that I'm like, I have no idea who that is. Mm-mm. Never heard that name. Nope. One, it's great justification when no one else has either. Or B, I find out tangentially who they are or what yeah. they're up to. And it's funny. I mean, they're focusing on just funny, goofy things. It's not, and it's a great break for me. It's something I can listen to while I'm doing other things. And it li- always lightens my mood. I always get a laugh and I'm obsessed with it. And That's they're fantastic. obsessed with bringing it and talking about celebrities. Yeah. And it's hilarious. And they are actually friends. So they have a really good banter and some funny stories in so between. So like us. Yes, yes, that's what it, mm-hmm. it reminds me of. If you yeah. like the what we have going, yeah. you know, where you just feel like you're here with us. Mm-hmm. You're going to like that. Okay. Yeah, you're going to like it. It's funny. It's great. I just, there's, they have been doing a deep dive on The Masked Singer. I don't even watch The Masked Singer, no. but it's hilarious. And Lindsay is taking a strong stance that she's pissed off because they're putting thems on there. <laughs> and it was supposed to be a who show of people that you would never guess would be in there. So apparently Kermit the Frog was in one of the costumes recently what? and they were like, this that's a costume in a costume. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. But then they decided that was genius and I kind of had to agree with them. Okay. Costume okay. in a costume is, that's who saw that coming? <laughs> do they describe like if someone is a who do can they attain them status yes they okay. talk a lot about that okay about when these things yeah cross what's over, the barrier and or when it goes the other oh, way oh shit yeah that's true them, that becomes a who yeah mm-hmm. yeah hmm yeah that would be very validating because there's so many like when they announce snl musical stuff like i have no idea yeah or like even we were talking about celeste barber yeah and she's always taking like videos from other instagram people i never know who they are yeah no no yeah Yeah, no it's very fulfilling and it's funny and they i don't know what it is about Lindsay's laugh but it is contagious when she really laughs i can't get enough of it and Bobby plays like a really good straight guy to her sometimes Mm -hmm. like the things he points out when she says something ridiculous and he just repeats it it's 
It's comedy gold. That's fantastic. It's wonderful. So I, again, you're not getting anything deep. No. Don't go there thinking that you're getting news. Okay. That's not what you're getting. You're getting fun. But that's a great way to end the episode. Yes. Something light. Fun. Yeah. And light and hilarious. I mean, we ran through a gamut of obsession. Yeah. From dangerous obsession to hilarious yes. obsession. Yeah. And to rabbit holes that you may or may not want to go down. I think you should go down them. Okay. All of them? Why not? I mean, there's some rabbit holes that take you to like white nationalism well, yeah, and stuff. Well, yeah, I was going to back up because yeah. we did or talk about that. Or down to QAnon. Yeah. You don't want to go that route. No. No. I mean, I guess if you're mentally sound enough that you know you're not going to get sucked <laughs> in, you could just for the comedic value of it. That's true. Yeah. Because there are times that I think it, someone really, you believe yeah, that. Yeah, you believe that. Like you legitimately yeah. believe that. Yeah. And I'm shocked. <laughs> shocked. I think I'm almost worried about those kinds of things because like I um I have strong opinions but then I know I'm gullible and I'm susceptible. I'm like I can't I'm more worried about it. it from an aspect of like okay, I'm going to go down that rabbit hole and then all my ads are going to be like for yes. Viking helmets. Yes. And I'm going to be like you know on my phone someone's going to look over and be like were you searching? Like, yeah. Were, were you, you at the Capitol? Were you, were you, you a ca- Yeah. Is that yeah. an American flag cape? What are you doing? <laughs> and I don't want that. No, no one want wants that. that. No. That's not a good no. thing. Mm-hmm. No. And if I wear a Viking helmet, I'm... At, Things have gone awry. I'm probably at like medieval times drinking beer out of I it. would hope so. Because yeah. if you're not, we need an intervention of some kind. Yeah. I'm going to need to tell Mike, like, listen. Listen, what is going on? Yeah. Trust me, if I had a Viking helmet, he's probably the first one that's doing an intervention. Like, no, no. Like, I'll not, deal with a lot. Not that, happening. No. no. Yeah. Not funny. Yeah. And no. Just no. Well, good. I'm glad he has, you know, clear boundaries. Yeah, there's boundaries, yeah. I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what We don't have boundaries on. No. To be clear. Yeah. That we like to bring you an episode every week. You're damn right we do. We're obsessed with it. We are obsessed. We're obsessed with Wednesdays. We're obsessed with Wednesdays. We're obsessed with books. We're obsessed with pop culture. And bringing them to you. We're obsessed with you, listeners. We are so obsessed with you. we're obsessed with the energy you provide. (laughs) And I would say I'm obsessed with acai. I was going to say, but you know what? My obsession. this week. They're stringing us along. Mm -hmm. And I don't like it. I don't like it either. (laughs) But we'll recover. We'll recover. In the meantime. Happy reading. I'm up again. Same night, another dream. Before trying this recording thing, I didn't remember much of anything of these dreams. I didn't remember much from any of the women. And one night of doing this, and it's broken things open. The dreams are, they're in me, and they're they are coming out of me, and... Talk to me. I am not broken. I am the most whole, most real. Their despair. I cause their despair. I wait for the word. I wait for the word. Witch. 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 Look at the mad woman in her cage. She was a woman with holes inside her. That was the heaviest factor. The final evidence. The heart of the issue. Somehow, you understand this. You. You. You hear me. Wherever you are, whatever this is, you... This isn't a dream journal anymore. It's not. That's just, it's just fact. (laughs) Because now this is, this is some sort of record. What are these dreams?
maybe there's a better question. Who are these women? Weird Woman is a Broads and Books production. All nine episodes are available January 10th. Listen and subscribe to Weird Woman on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and your favorite podcast platform. That's W-Y-R-D, Woman, wherever you listen to podcasts.